0: Kind of what I want to do tonight is back up a little bit and get a little review on what we've talked about so far on this uh, um, supernatural realm, I'll call it. Again, It's uh, uh, we've added a lot, and, and we're building on foundational blocks, but just kind of giving that new impact to it, because I think it's going to help us as we get further in our study. So I brought my board up, so I'm going to try to... Um, one of the things that, again, been saved since I was 13, uh, been a Sunday school teacher, been a young class teacher, been deacon, pastor 11 years now, and, and always been told that um, gods were just, you know, gods and idols and all that was, was nothing, uh, that there was only God, and that uh, there was no other supernatural beings in that way. I mean, I knew there was angels, I knew there was fallen angels, but I never thought there was anything behind this. I knew there were demons, uh, but I didn't know how it all went together. And so I just appreciate the clarity that's been coming here in these last days on understanding this as I think uh, these lines that have been uh, blurred are becoming more clear. Uh, so the first thing I want to put is that there are supernatural Let's see if I, I'm always nervous when I write in front of you. It's, it's children's scratches. So there are supernatural beings. And one of the terms that God or the Bible uses for them is the little G-gods. Um, literally, after, as we get further along, after we get past what happens at Babel and shortly thereafter that, and we start going through the scriptures and we look at every time these come up at Egypt. You know, it, it says blatantly that he defeats the gods of Egypt. You know, he, it's not like, oh, and I always kind of heard that talk, like, well, you know, they you were know, superstitious, and they worship the Nile, and they worship the sun, and they worshipped, well, no, no, there was beings that, that would show themselves and, and teach them this thing, and God's like, I came down and defeated them, and we're going to see we're put it all in alignment as we go through the Bible and look at these things. And so, uh, there, Baal. Baal's one, you know, Baal's mentioned in the Bible more than Satan as far as one of the enemies that they fight against that that is there. And so that's um, one that's coming around again. Um, uh, As an opposition, it was like Hitler took the throne room, which, just to put it in a little light, Jesus Christ writes seven love letters to the churches, right? And it's the seven letters in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and chapter 4. All those churches were literal, literal, real churches. And he writes them this encouragement. One of them he says... Pergamos, you're where Satan's seat is. He goes, I know where you are. I pray for you where it is where you have to battle this. And that's where they had this throne room, you know, and they had this place where uh, this false cult was worshiping. They took that and they moved it to Germany in the 30s. <laughs> we all know what happens there, right? And so I wonder where the Satan's seat moved during the during World War II. It was out of there. And so now it's come back. And you know, the country that is on the rise, that that, that wants to make themselves the world player, and that the Bible says would be a world player in the end times, is as where all these churches were located, and it's Turkey, and so all that, all those seven churches we're in, we call it Asia, but it's in Turkey there, uh, and then so we see that that's a little bit of foreshadowing and all that as well. So let's uh, again, and we, as we draw clear lines about who these gods are, where they come from, why they are there, and, and what's, um, well, really, it kind of helps clears up a lot of the rub through the Bible. Uh, we'll see the battle lines as they are drawn. Um, one group. Of uh, the supernatural being is a, uh, we'll call it uh, the divine, God's <laughs> council. So I usually only want to have to read me. So God's council or God's assembly. It's a uh, Psalm eighty two, if uh, 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 Psalm eighty two one. Mentions that, and then there's several other places through the Bible. We, we've looked at that briefly, but we'll look at it in fuller as we get down there later. Yeah. What was Baal, what was, what was the big attraction to Baal? I mean, there's all these false guys. Baal gets to be... The... Well, he's supposed to be the the head. You probably know him better by his Roman name, which would be Zeus. You know, and so he is the same. he's like the father of these gods. He's usually shown with lightning bolts in his hands or like wheat in his hands. He's this war god. He's supposed to be this triumphant one. Zeus, Jupiter, um, Apollo, he's he's kind of like the head one in, in a sense. And so Jesus, yeah, we'll look at him further as, as we go. But yeah, he's kind of like, just, you know, mm-hmm. out of all the other ones. And I just wondered how that one just mm-hmm. to the top. yeah. That's that, that's that's one of many, but yeah, he is kind of the one that he is kind of seen as the Zeus, as the the father of these other ones. And again, <clears throat> I mentioned several names there for um, Baal, and as it continues to change, they're liars. They shift with the times. Oh, everybody's doing that now. Yeah, I will change my name to that. Yeah, and so he kind of change and adjust, and as different cultures would come, you know, the names would adjust. And then, and again, also you know, when at the Tower of Babel, the names get uh, seventy different names from there, and so. Uh, but we'll look at that as we go fuller. Uh, another one an, underneath. This would be angel or you know a, a messenger. So there's several. We also know that there are watchers. Um, again, uh, Daniel talks about that. And uh, they're down here, and they have some dealings with with the earth and with humans. As we'll look at if I get going, I get a glare. There. Okay. Um, another one of the major revelations for me was that Eden was a mountain. I'm going to draw a picture. <laughs> it helps me think. So, Eden was a mountain. Uh, and, uh, again, there's the valleys and everything else, but the, it's, it, was, it was a high place that he was. And God would have been at the higher, and it would have been, been down. And there's a valley, a place with water and rivers. And, and we looked at the verses on that one. Uh, God was there. I mean, so Eden was not just a place where he put Adam and Eve. But God met there too, so I'm going to put that God was in Eden. We know that He came down in the cool of the day, but uh, it's kind of a, a, a clarifying point knowing that He was there. And who else was there? Was also because God was there, His counsel was was there too, because where He is, is His counsel goes to. Um, he seraphims we saw last week were flying dragons or serpents with wings. Uh, so we. I'm not going to try to spell seraphims, serpents with wings. Uh, man was a part of God's counsel on earth, you know, that he put us down here to, to rule this where the supernatural beings were supposed to be in charge of the heavenly things, and then he was going to make us in charge of the earthly things, but we know that then um, that gets all corrupted. Um, the supernatural beings fell, um, and if anything, they rebelled. Um, so they... Again, they, they fell earlier than mankind because that's when we have the deception coming from uh, the serpent in the garden. Uh, man then fell, or was coerced to fall too, uh, in the Garden of Eden, which we always look at and we're going to look at here. Look at Genesis 3.15. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is a very loaded verse. But, uh, Genesis 3 and verse 15 says, And I will put enmity... Calls a strife, a division between thee and the woman, speaking to the serpent and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Um, a, to sum this up, it's a seed war. He says there's going to be a war, and we often we call it the seed war. I think um, we understand seeds, offspring, you know. I'm my dad's seed, Levi's my seed, you know, it's, it's the offspring in that way, and so it's the, it's an offspring, um, uh, an offspring battle. So seed war, offspring battle, there's going to be a battle or a fight that's going on um, throughout the rest of the Bible, you know, until it gets restored back as it was, you know, because we've had this confrontation where supernatural beings have interfilled with mankind, mankind falls in with them, we now have this division that God says, hey, there's going to be a war, and I'm going to fix this. And as a matter of fact, that's the last part. It shall bruise thy head. Um, <clears throat> it's going to mean that's utter defeat, you know, when you're stomping on someone's head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. That's just going to be a little ankle bite, you know, going that way as a serpent would do. And, and so he says ultimate victory. It's going to seem like you're winning, but you're not, but we're going to stomp on your head. And again, we see that with the cross. It seems like he's winning. Christ comes back through the resurrection and says, now I'm going to stomp on your head uh, like you would a snake. Her seed is literal, right? We, we've studied this before. Her seed, this is a literal. We, we, many sermons preached on this. Her seed, the virgin birth. Woman doesn't have the seed. Man has the seed. But her seed is pointing towards the virgin birth that a woman shall um, conceive. And the woman's son will be uh, our hero. He's going to be the one who's going to rescue us. It's going to be um, the one that we need. And, and because of that, because it's this... Different thing. This her seed, this virgin birth. It's a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. Uh, so he's divine. He's a divine being, and that's yay us because this tips the scale in our favor. Matter of fact, it assures victory because now he's done. He's chose you in this seed war uh, between the devil and his angels. You know, the devil and his supernatural beings. I choose man. I'm going to become a man. I'm going to be the one who recon- redeems them. I'm going to be the one who rescues them. I'm going to be the one who comes and fights on their side, and I'm going to stomp on your head. And so it, it points to this. Earth is the battlefield or the war zone. And so a descendant of woman will be, or descendant of mankind, will be the victor. That's Christ, the Messiah. Uh, The anointed one. He's also called the prince. You know, he he has all these different titles. And he's going to battle with Satan and his offspring. And we see that ultimately in the book of Revelation. We see that, but we also see it throughout the Bible. We have incursions where those happen, where there's fights, there's battles, there's skirmishes. And uh, we see Christ has power over them when Christ is on earth. You know, that he can speak to all the demons and they would flee. And they knew it. You know, he he has the victory. Um, Verse 24 says, uh, Genesis 3, So he drove the man... And drove out the man, and he placed uh, east of the, uh, placed at the east of Eden, uh, uh, east of the Garden of Eden, cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way uh, to keep the way of the tree of life. And so, the main reason I want to read that one is just to let us know during this economy, it's different, or I am going to call epic, epic, epoch. There epoch, epoch. No, we we'll right, <laughs> epoch. And this during this this epoch of time, it was different because. A man could look and see an angel. A man could look and see a cherubim, a supernatural being. They could see him. He could go and look and see him there. Now, we, the Bible says that we can see angels, but it says it's unaware. We usually don't know about it. We're like, afterwards, we're like, was that an angel? I don't know. And so as we entertain angels unaware, they can look and see. It was a different economy, different epoch, where, where they could see this. And so, uh, so from the fall to the flood was one Epic, uh, epoch. Here I'm a, here's what I'm trying to say E P O C H. And so I'll say, fall to the flood. Uh, that's normal uh, that, those, that you could do those things. And we're going to see that angels come down and then they mess around with stuff. And so, again, as I've mentioned before, that the ancients thought three different things uh, made the world corrupt like it is today. Uh, fall was the first one. I'm going to put a star by these and put it up here. The fall was one where man sinned. That's one of the major troubles with the world. The, the fall brings death. Fall brings the curse. Fall separates us from God. Fall, we need an intercessor now. Someone come to restore us, redeem us, so that we can uh, be purchased back uh, and be bought into the family of God. Look like at Genesis 5. Genesis 5 and verse 15 is an interesting chapter we've gone through before where it lists the names of the genealogies between Adam and Noah. But I'm going to look at verse 15 where it says, And Mahalalel uh, lived sixty and five years and begat Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he begat Jared eight hundred and thirty years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were eight hundred and ninety and five years and he died. And Jared lived a hundred and... Uh, Sixty and two years, and he begat uh, Enoch. And so, there's a time here where uh, uh, Jared is born, and Jared's name means descent or shall come down. Uh, we think that it was during uh, this time uh, where angels came down, and they started to mess around. You know, they they started to do what they weren't supposed to do. They they, they are corrupting um, uh, again. We th- the angels' corruption or the angels' fall here. Uh, they took wives of whomever they wanted in Genesis 6. Uh, they impregnated them. Um, look at Genesis 6, verse 4. We'll see what God says. Genesis 6 and verse 4. Genesis 6, 4 says, There were giants on the earth in those days and also after that. So it happened once. It happens again afterwards. And it doesn't say how many times afterwards. We'll look at that more In The future weeks, he says. But when the sons of God came, they're the these supernatural beings. When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, uh, Gibborim, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generation of Noah. Um, Let's see, where did I have it going? I think that's it. These are generations of Noah. He was a just man. There we go. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Again, we've talked about this perfectness of Noah. It's not that he was sinless. It was not that he, you know, was special in that way. It was that he was not—he was 100 percent man. He was not corrupt, uh, because during the Genesis six incursion, where the angels come down and begin to corrupt man's seed line, is that—that's part of the war. That's part of the battle. It's part of this seed war. If it has to be a descendant of mankind who's going to come and redeem and defeat Satan and his minions. Man, if I can corrupt the gene pool, if I can just make it where there are no 100% men, Satan wins. And so he comes down and they start mixing seed. And so you have someone that is not 100% man. We would call them hybrids, angel-human hybrids that were corrupt in that way. Um, We see that there were giants, and then there's lesser ones as we see as time goes on. But if there is no 100% humanity, there's no Messiah to come. There's nothing to, no Redeemer to come. There's no men left. So now Noah is found pure as are his sons as are his son's wives you know do no good if he took corrupt wives after that but so so they are there to keep the gene pool good and he goes and he grabs animals that are fine so fallen angels are seen as bringing perversion to mankind and so that's the second part of what the ancients would see the 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 falling, falling angels perversion that they took man and took the fall and the death and the corruption that we already had, and they corrupted it even worse. Uh, it's not recorded in Scripture here, but it's hinted at when it says, I have to get all the animals, I have to get all this. Man's thoughts are on evil continually. Um, we saw a few weeks ago when I had uh, look at some accounts in the book of Enoch, you know, that the angels taught them the perverse technology. Not that technology is bad, it's that they, were, they taught it to defile mankind. They, they taught... Uh, Drugs, you know, to use drugs in that way. They, they taught um, uh, the, the implements of war, you know, to teach man warfare in, in, in this way. They, they taught man um, uh, cannibalism, uh, to eat flesh, man's flesh. They taught vampirism to teach uh, drinking the blood and, and, and eating the blood and, and, and those things. They taught uh, gene splicing, mixing kinds and things together. Matter of fact, some theorize uh, that the dinosaurs were part of that. You know, why we had these big giant monsters is because the angels came down and perverted what was there. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm saying that that's what they say. The book of the giants, which was another book that they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, says that. It says that the angels came down, messed with the animals, and made monsters. They made Godzilla, King Kong, Mothra. I don't know. But, but, but they made monsters out of what was there to the point where God's like, all flesh is corrupt. And as we just read in Genesis 6, I've got to wipe out the birds. I've got to wipe out this. I've got to wipe out mankind. I've got to start it over. It's all perverse. You know, I've got to turn it around. I've got to get this right. And so gene splicing was one of the things that they did. And, you know, the, the cutting of roots and, and, and mixing all these things together. They, they crossbred. They mixed kinds. <clears throat> now, uh, look at Genesis 1. Genesis one and verse twenty one. Um, just as an example, so Genesis one twenty one says, "And God created great whales and, and every living creature that moveth, uh, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good." It just we see that God in Genesis six or Genesis one makes wants everything to, to re- reproduce after their kind. Birds are to be with birds, you know, uh, beasts with beasts, you know, people with people. You know, and so he wants it this way. He wants kind after kind. And again, God uses the term kind. World. The man uses the word species, you know, uh, the speciation. That, that's a new invention. The Bible doesn't know anything about it. It says kind, uh, animal kind. There's the horse kind, cat kind, dog kind, you know, they're that, that all that way that they can all interbreed. rabbit kind. Um, you know, and then uh, we have now speciated it out, but there's only so many kinds. Creation Museum, you see a good example of that, one of our favorite things there in the, uh, uh, in the Garden of Eden, that when you look at the cat, you can see he looks a little bit like a lion, a little bit like a tiger, a little bit like uh, a puma, he looks like he's got all the cat kinds kind of hidden in there that they can then speci- speciate out. Same thing with the horse kind, is he a zebra, is he a horse, is he a donkey, is he what? He's got all those horse kinds in there, matter of fact, you can go see what, a zorse. they have one in their zoo, you know, a, a horse-zebra hybrid that is there, ligers, you know, lion-tiger, you, they can, they can mate, because that's right. You know, they're their cat kind. And so we see those examples, and that's what God has established. Um, look at verse uh, 25. and says, And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. That's good. That's what I want. <clears throat> look at Genesis 6. 18. Genesis 6.18. We have... God's got a hold of Noah. He's told him, "I'm going to flood the world. I need you to build a big uh, aircraft carrier, pretty much, put it in your backyard and bring in all these uh, animals and preserve them." So Genesis six verse eighteen says. But with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee and every little thing of the flesh, two of every sort shall bring into the ark and keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come in unto thee to keep them alive and take to thee and to thee all the food that is eaten and thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be food for thee and for them thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so he did. And we know that he does that. And again, you can go to the Ark Encounter, you can go to the Creation Museum, and you can read Answers in Genesis Magazine, and and I've got books back there too that go in great detail. How many kinds might there be? Would they all fit on the boat? How would that be? And so it all fits, it all works. And it all stacks on there if if you go with the biblical model. Again, as far as insects, they said take everything that takes in air through the nose. They are exoskeleton, they can float on trees and logs and everything else. And so God's allowed for all that. And you see, you know, like atheists are bringing up, what about a dolphin? It's like it didn't breathe through its nose, it breathed through a hole in its head. So it's leave it in the water. You don't need to have fish tanks on there. And so he had all these different things and all these arguments. Antes and Genesis addresses all of those. So after the flood, God gives laws. And Remember, my dad taught me laws are there for a reason. He's usually said some idiot did something stupid, and so they made a law. <laughs> so you don't do that again, you know. And so uh, that's probably about true, you know. Don't jump off a balcony you know, or don't go from balcony to balcony. I'm sure that's a law in Florida because every spring break kids die jumping from balcony to balcony trying to do that. So I'm sure there's a law, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, you stop, you know, because there's a law, you know, because somebody just ran into each other. You're supposed to yield and give right away. It's a law because people didn't yield and it caused uh, accidents. And so God gives laws about not mixing kinds. Look at Deuteronomy. Because he says, I don't want this to happen again. I don't want us to go down this path. And so then God establishes the law after the flood. Deuteronomy. Chapter 22. Deuteronomy 22, and verse... Nine says, Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. I want you to don't mix the kinds. Don't make an apple grow on a tomato plant. You know, I don't want that. He says, I want apples to be apples. I want tomatoes to be tomatoes. Um, sorry, at Walmart you can buy a grapple. It's an apple that tastes like a grape, it's kind of tasty. Shame on us for having that, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's it's kind of take But God's like, no, grapes to be grapes, apples to be apples. I don't, I don't want that. And so God, and I think it's to keep it pure. God's built in protection. He's made like I'm sure the, the God's perfect wheat could withstand blight, could withstand insects, could withstand anything because He put all kind of diversity in there. You know, He's, he's made it adjustable in its natural scent. We speciated out. We're the ones who, that, that take it. Um, I worked. One summer, detasseling corn, you know, where you a hot, miserable job going through and pulling the top of the tassel out. I think they would do six rows with a tassel, six rows without a tassel. That way, it would keep <clears throat> that uh, that, uh, that grain, it, it would all get pollinated just by a very few, and it kept it pure, and it kept it strong in that way. They can kind of guarantee how tall it would be, what kind of ear it would produce, and, and they would guarantee it in that way. Now we've crossed the line to where we have GMO, genetically modified organisms, where we go in there and we say, well, you know, let's prevent it against... Um, well, we're going to design it to go, the first ones were Roundup. This will be resistant to this chemical, and so we can squirt this chemical. It'll kill everything but the corn. You know, and so they make it to do that, so they will make a bigger yield. And we've been eating this stuff forever, and it's like, kind of makes you wonder. You know, it, well, it doesn't make us wonder anymore. You know, we see where it's going, and we see it, the path that it's going down as we've modified everything. As we put in... I think they put in jellyfish genes and and tomatoes, so they won't freeze. And when we have all this different diversity going on, God said, "Don't do that." Look at Leviticus eighteen, back chapter two, book or two. Leviticus, Leviticus eighteen. He gives us laws again. He gives us some laws because it's happened in the past, and again he reminds us these. You're not going to do what these other nations do. Leviticus eighteen verse twenty two He says Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind is abomination. It's God's law. Don't do that. Uh, I don't want anyone. so we've looked at that one before verse twenty three. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereunto. It is confusion. God says, I don't want that. Don't mix. Uh, it's a violation of nature is what the word confusion means. It also means perversion says it's profane. We call it bestiality. He's like, don't do that. We'll look at another verse, what he says in greater detail about it in a minute. Um, verse 24, he says, defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled. He's like, that's not what the rest of the world does, because at this point in time, uh, when, when Moses is having to write this. It's after the flood for a while, and he's preparing them to go into the promised land. He's like, that's what those perverts did. And again, in that areas where you have giants, and in that areas where you have Satan laying down a battlefield, he doesn't have to pollute the whole world. Oh, the children of Israel are going to Cana. Let's pervert that. Let's make it horrible. Let's make an army there that they can't get past. And so God's like, don't do what they did in the past. Don't do what they're doing there. And so he makes these laws. Laws are there for a reason, because I don't want that. I don't want you mixing. Um, verse 6, Leviticus 18 says, And none of you shall approach to any of his near kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. Again, King James' way of saying, don't do that. You don't have this relation with your mom or with your dad or with your niece or nephew or son or daughter or aunts or uncles. He's like, don't, you know, because then you're, you're going to mess it, and you're messing things up. I don't want you to do that. And he calls it a perversion. A matter of fact, he goes into great detail throughout the chapter. Chapter. Look at verse 21. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of God. I am the Lord. Don't do child sacrifice. Don't you worship these false gods? Because this is things that the angels taught them before the flood. He taught them child of sacrifice. They taught them how to do these things. And so he says, Don't do that. Uh, look at Leviticus nineteen. Verse 19. Leviticus nineteen, nineteen says, Ye shall keep my statutes, thou shalt not let Cattle, gender, with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen or woolen come upon thee. He goes. I want you to keep it straight. I want you to keep things together. I won't want you mixing things together. And there's a lot of reasons behind some of that. And That's usually with witchcraft. And so he says, don't, with with the wearing the material in that way. He says, don't do it. No mixing. Look at verse 26. Uh, you shall not eat anything with the blood. Neither shall you use enchantments nor observer of times. Uh, again, angels who taught drink the blood or to eat the blood and to do those things he says you're not to do that matter of fact it becomes a very jewish thing where you drain all the blood you know that we're not to have that life in it Um, and so he says we're not to do that the all angels have taught that don't use enchantments Uh, uh, that's basically um, a witchcraft a summoning you know, Trying to call down uh, other things for information. You don't do that. We don't do that. You talk to me. I am your one that you talk to. Not observe times. That's like astrology where they were like, oh, the stars are aligned and that means it's going to influence you and you're going to do this and this and the other thing because that's another thing that the angels taught them. We're not, we're not supposed to do that. Um, again, in the blood, as vampirism. You don't do that. Again, it's angel t- uh, teaching that was corrupting and profaning mankind. And God says, I don't want you to be that way. And so he's teaching them to be different. Um, Leviticus 20, verse 15. And again, Leviticus goes through thing after thing. I'm hitting the highlight ones. Leviticus 20 and verse... um Fifteen says, and if a man shall lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. And if a woman shall approach into any beast and to lie down thereunto, thou shalt kill the woman and the beast; they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. God's like, I don't want them to live. I don't want this going on. I don't want that happening. You, you kill them. You stop it. It is to be done. That we have chimeras in the United States, where they take pigs and animals and mix the genes together, so you have a human man, uh, a human pig embryos you have human, human pig uh, growing and that's just the ones they're telling us about who knows what else they have uh, uh, out there and so we're, we're crossing this line again this was the stuff that when we look at in the bible that we never really address because you're like it's just weird it's just perverse uh, you also see accounts of these in the news as well you know without the technology i think you know what i mean and so you, you see those things going on abuse of animals in that way uh, now we have a, we live in a day and an age where Technology does this. If I had told you this story seven years ago about mixing genes and pigs and humans together, you're like, you've read Dr. Moreau, you know, Island of Dr. Moreau, you're H.G. Wells, what are you, sci-fi guys? Like, it had been fantastic, but now it's common. So you can get a CRISPR gene thing where they splice genes and they, they, they start, um, and they say it's pretty affordable to do all this, and they're starting to mess with stuff they ought not mess with. Uh, and so where God says, don't do it. Last time he did it, he said, I had to bring a flood. He also said in the last days, would be like the days of Noah. Oh, wow, we're messing with everything that they were doing. And so it's kind of shocking in that way. And that's why I think we need to look at all this. It says, so so God gave rules. Don't do this. <clears throat> it's wrong. It's a sin. Uh, and the third thing that they blamed the ancient world and, and blame the fall of mankind was Babel. Uh, it's Ellie, right? The, the Tower of Babel. And we're, that's where we're... Heading to, I don't know. How, we won't get very far here tonight. But look at the Genesis chapter ten. Genesis ten is our introduction to someone I've already mentioned in another context, but here he is by a different name, and uh, many think he's alluded to in the end as well. So, uh, Genesis chapter ten. We have the generations of Noah, he talks about his sons and, and how they go, and we have the, uh, the Hamites go south, uh, you know, the son of Ham, Shem, they all they're called the Orientals, that's the Jewish line. Uh, that's where you get anti-Semitism. It comes from the Shem line. Uh, it turns into you get your Indians, your Asians, your Chinese, your Japanese, they, they go that go that Asian line. Jephthah goes more European, it goes all north that way, and that is European, it goes up into the island of the British Isles. Chances are most of us are from the Jephthah line in that way. And so he tells how these branches are going out between these three, three sons uh, and how we get, again, the nations of the world. And, and we'll come back and look at detail in the future. It's a little bit, uh, this is because, uh, and we'll look at the, the, he tells us about the Tower of Babel and he tells us about the nations first, but we'll see in context how it goes later. But uh, look at verse 8. It says, In Cush... And this is out of the sons of Ham. And Cush begat Nimrod. and Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one in the earth. There's a lot hidden in the English there that's in the Hebrew, but we'll look at it more later. So verse 9 says, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it is said, Even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Aked, Ach, and, and Kalana, and the, and the land of Shinar. Out of the land uh, went forth Asher, and he built Nineveh, and the city of Rehoboth, and, and Kala. And so we have another son, but again, we're going to have two protagonists, that this is the origin, where we actually get Babel and Assyria out of, and come down from it. Again, now Babylon's not yet, Babylon's much later, but we're going to look at Babel first, uh, which kind of comes from it. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1, and Nimrod is the one who builds Babel, and so that's why I point to him. He is the, he is the, the head. He's the one who does this. Um, again, he's a famous man. Then he's a famous man now. Uh, matter of fact, in the stars, if you have the Orion's Belt, Orion is, I mean, he, it goes back to Nimrod. He's the giant hunter. He, a lot of times he's called the hunter, and so he's marked in the stars as this big giant in the sky that is there. Uh, his name Nimrod means rebellion a rebellious one he is rebelling against god he's rebelling what god told him to do they told him to disperse he says let's build cities and stay together so he's the he's the rebellious one he is the leader of the pact of what is going on in genesis 11 so genesis 11 verse 1 says and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech again i would think that this is an epic he had the fall to the flood was an epic and i think from noah to Babel is an epic where they all had one language. The world had one language. You can go around the world and, and talk and converse with anyone. Uh, I don't know if there was like a uh, Kentucky version of whatever they were saying. And they said y'all. Or, but I'm sure there's somebody something like you know, the northern version. Kind of like we have English and all those different versions possibly. Uh, but from then Babel to Jesus is a different epic. How things are, are going on or uh, economy. And then from Jesus to the rapture. Uh, I think we're in another one. But this one they are all of one language. And God sees that as what is harmonizing them. And then he's going to go after it, and that's how they, they separate him. But I don't want to get into that too much here tonight because I can't do it any justice. I just kind of amazingly wanted to go through a review of where we were and why we are up to this. It's because the ancients see these three things in the past of what makes the world perverse as it is. The, the fall and the garden, which we would all would have said anyway. Uh, the fallen angels and the perversion that they taught to mankind, which we see effects of too, but we just always kind of related it back just to the fall and that man is perverse. Uh, but that we had help. We had a kickstart in that. And then the Tower of Babel. We're going to see what spills out of that to today and how that all comes from, but that's going to be where we get the little G gods in our world today comes from this event in Babel and what God does after that. And so uh, we'll pick that up there next week, unless we do something different, but but that's that's the plan so far. Uh, I do appreciate you all being here, and I just pray that you have a a good week in the Lord, and uh, again, study on these things question me, oppose me, that's fine. Don't take it because I say it. Let's look at it and see. I'm just trying to go through the Bible and how they uh, put it out in that way to give us an overall arching understanding of what is going on. If anything, this magnifies Jesus all the more when we see what he did on the cross. It was better than we did. He not only saves mankind, he defeats the fallen angels and what's going on and then all the shenanigans in Babel, he's restoring it back to what it was supposed to be. And so it just makes him all the greater as we look at it all together. We'll close in prayer now.